Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. One of my favorite books of all time is a book called The Go-Giver. It sold about a million copies and is written by the man you are about to meet, who is a longtime friend of mine, Bob Berg. He co-authored that book and several others with John David Mann, who is also a longtime friend of mine. And they turned it into a Go-Giver series. His, their newest parable is called The Go-Giver Influencer. But Bob and I met, I believe, through Zig Ziglar way back in the day. And that was how we got connected. And then we've just known each other over the years. He is a Hall of Fame speaker. He's spoken for so many great companies, even a former U.S. president. Speaks all over the world and and these days is, is more focused on just building up a community and impacting people from home in a world of COVID like we all are. And we hadn't connected in a while. And so, Bob, I just, man, I'm, I'm honored that you're here, my friend. It's good to see you. Ah, the honor's mine, Rory. One of my all-time favorite people, which uh, I believe you know. I hope you know that. Well, thank you. I, You know, it's funny because I knew you personally long before I read The Go-Giver, there's there's a few of author friends that I have where it's like, I don't actually end up reading their book until years after I know them. And and once I read The Go-Giver, I was like, oh, now I know why we hit it off. We have such a shared <laughs> philosophy. And for, for people that don't know, haven't heard of The Go-Giver, you know, I certainly want to hear the story about you, how you've built your business and your personal brand. That's what we talk about on this show. But I, I feel like it's so interconnected to the message and the principle that you teach in your parables and, and specifically the go-giver. So could you like just give us the, the premise and the introduction to what the go-giver concept is all about? Oh, sure. The basic premise, and, and it's actually a very simple one, and that is that shifting your focus, and, and this is where it really begins, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving mm-hmm. in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's actually the most financially profitable way as well. And it's important to note, I think, that when we say that, it's not for some woo-woo, way out there, magical, mystical reasons. It it actually makes very rational, logical sense. When Mm -hmm. you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and place it on making other people's lives better, right? Helping them solve their challenges, helping them get what they want, helping to bring them closer to happiness, right? However, that that ends up working out through what you do. People feel good about you. People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be a part of your life. They want to do business with you. They want to refer you and introduce you and tell others about you. So, you know, that's really, you know, where it, where it, it comes from and, but it has to be very genuine. It has to be authentic. Uh, you, you have to, and I, and I know you are, mm-hmm. and, and I know the people you teach and who you coach and mentor are as well. It has to really come from a place of, of wanting to help, desiring to bring that kind of value to others. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I know you're, you're such a proponent of like the free enterprise system in general. And, you know, I think like what you said, there's a heart part of this, of just being, you know, thinking about other people, which I agree with so much and I'm so aligned on and, and was an area that I've, I've had to grow and continue to have to grow constantly and actively pursue that brings a level of satisfaction and joy. But there is also a, the, a shocking element to this that money somehow shows up as a byproduct of this. Do you still believe that? Why do you believe that? What other evidence do you have, you know, in with your the success of your own personal brand or other people that that make you go, if you trust this, it will work? Because it's not something you have to trust on blind faith. It's actually the only thing in a free market that's ever been proven to work. Now, mm-hmm. let's let's clarify. When we say free market, what we mean is no one is forced to do business with others. People do it on their own volition. Now, this should not be confused with cronyism, where, you know, as we know, whether big businesses, special interests, whatever, through their lobbyists on K Street, basically by the influence of politicians to make laws and rules and regulations that benefit. That's not what we're talking about. That is not capitalism. That is cronyism. In a free market, people only buy because they believe it's in their best interest to do so. Right. But this is great because it means that that entrepreneur whose focus is on bringing value to others, right? Pleasing that other person, helping them get what they want. That's the person who, you know, let's put it this way. I used to say when I used to speak at sales conferences, you know, back before the COVID days when we actually went places to speak to right. <laughs> at conferences, I, you know, I'd be sitting in front of a room full of all these salespeople and I'd say, you know, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet right? They're not going to buy from you because you need the money. And they're not even going to buy from you because you're a really nice person. They're going to buy from you only because they believe that it's in their best interest to do so. And in a free market, which all I guarantee you, you know, you and me and everyone listening, watching this, this is how we operate because no one has to buy from any of us, right? That's the only reason why anyone's going to do business with us. So there's nothing that we need to have, you know, blind faith about. If we don't please that other person, if we don't bring immense value to them, they're not doing business with us. And how does that, how's that showed up in your career? I mean, you know, you sell millions of books between all your books. You've got all of these, you know, places that you spoke at. And I know you've spoken at some of the largest, I mean, you mentioned the sales meetings. I know it's more than that, but specifically in the world of sales, you have spoken at some of the biggest and largest, you know, kind of sales gatherings. Is that a philosophy that you carried into your career early on as a personal brand and it helped you? Or is it something you kind of learned along the way that amplified what you were doing? I think there are two aspects to that. And it's a great question. One is I was very fortunate, very blessed to to be born to two great people who they were all about bringing value to others. So I got to see that as an example. Now, as I grew up and got into the business world, you know, I, I think I kind of lost my way for a while and I was around people who did things in a way that probably weren't the best example mm. and, uh, and some were, but some weren't, you know? And so I, I don't know what, if I was necessarily on the right track, I think for a while it became more. Now I always had a great product or service I was representing when I sold for other companies. So that wasn't the issue. It was a matter of the focus being on myself and the sale. Okay. And I remember 
that I was in kind of a, not kind of, I was in a sales slump and I came back to the office one day and I saw a guy there and a much older guy. He was not even in the sales department. I think he was in the engineering department. Nice guy. Didn't say much, but he was one of these people and we've all met, you know, uh, that when, whenever he did say something, it was always very profound. Sure. And I think he saw me as sort of a, a Joe in the go-giver, which I would write about 25 years later with John David Mann. But he, I think he saw me as that young, up-and-coming, ambitious, aggressive, you know, nice guy, but whose focus was on himself, but not where it should be. And he said to me, can I give you some advice? Fortunately, I've always been a pretty good student uh, when it comes to listening to people around me. And I said, absolutely, please do. And he said, Berg, he was a last name kind of guy. He said, Berg, <laughs> if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target, he said, is serving others. Now, mm. when you hit the target, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target is serving others. And Rory, that's when it hit me. That great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Great salesmanship is never about the products or services, as important as those are. Great salesmanship is always about the other person. It's about the, the people whose lives you choose to touch with the value you provide. It's mm. the people whose lives are a little bit better just because you were part of it. And I think when we go with that attitude, which is much more like my parents' attitude than, than the people who I kind of started to, to learn from, I think we go with that attitude. We're nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step a game. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. Uh, yeah, I mean, amen. It's 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 so good. And, and I mean, when I say Go Giver is one of my favorite books, y'all. Like, I read a ton. I love it. And I'm telling you, this is like one of my top five all time favorite books. Wow. I mean, <laughs> thank you. I think because it's shocking to me how rare you hear this message that you're talking about, and particularly in the world of success, it's all about achieve, grind, hustle, grow. It's a very self centered message. It's a very self serving accomplish, acquire, like grow your influence, grow your title. And, you know, I just am so aligned and believe with it in the same that that all of those things happen as a byproduct of the number of people that you reach and the amount Absolutely. of value you, you provide. And yeah. I think it's so, so eloquent. So tell us the story about the go-giver. Like, did you, a million copies of a book is, is amazing. I mean, this is so few get there. How did you get the book deal? 
how did you meet John David Mann? Did you guys like light up the bestseller list right away? Like, was it easy to write? It's a parable, right? So did you, did you know you wanted to write a parable? Like what's the story behind the success of this book? Yeah, I think I can answer those really pretty easily. And at first it came about because years and years ago, I had a book out called Endless Referrals, the uh, subtitle right. with Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. It was basically a book on business networking, creating relationships. It was really for entrepreneurs and salespeople who knew they had a great product or service. They were proud of it. They knew how much value it brought, but they they didn't necessarily feel comfortable with the process of going out into their communities and creating those no like and trust relationships, right? They didn't know how to, so I was a how-to guy. That's what it was. But I'd always read a lot of parables, whether it was, you know, books like Og Mandino's Greatest Salesman in the World or oh, gosh, a, Babylon. Or, oh, another or, good one. Right. And I'm just trying to think, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, Doctors Blanchard and Johnson and the One Minute series. And then friends of ours like Chris Widener and certainly John Gordon and, and so many people who have these magnificent, uh, you know, books. And what I, I found is that, you know, I'd read these parables and always enjoyed them so much and learned a lot in a very short period of time. I think, you know, as you know, stories connect on a deeper level than a how-to book. Don't get me wrong. I love how-to books. I read hundreds, if not thousands of them, but I, I think parables connect on a different level. So mm -hmm. I always thought, what if we could take the basic premise of endless referrals, which is all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. People have heard me say this for 30 years. Probably they're nauseated when they hear me say that at this point. But I said, how could we take that and turn it into a, a parable? So I, I just thought, well, so what's the, what's the basic trait? What's the essence of a person who's able to very quickly and sustainably create those those no like and trust relationships well they're givers right they're always giving value their focus is on giving value so the, that part was easy to come up with the title the go giver but it was it was when i at when I, when john david mann agreed to to co-author it and be really the lead writer and storyteller because he's a genius i'm a how-to guy amazing. he's a right but so what happened was john was the editor-in-chief of a magazine i used to write for and mm. every month I'd submit my, my column and he would write back. I'd never met him personally at that point. And it would always be just so kind and so fantastic and so, so much better than what it was. And he, but he was always very polite and humble and say, you know, is this okay? I put this here. Is this all right? And the running joke was that every month I'd, you know, write back and say, not only is it okay, uh, you write my stuff better than I write my stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, when I came time for the book, John was the only one I wanted to, to write this with. Back then, John wasn't well known outside of his niche. Okay, now this guy's the, the, uh, the co-author, right. writer of choice. Whenever an agent or a publisher has a celebrity, a CEO, a athlete, and a, that they won't write. But back then, very few people outside of his, his niche knew John. Well, fortunately, I knew him. So, so I had asked him. So he was still busy, though. And so one day he and his fiance, now his wife, Anna, uh, they were at her mom's in, uh, on the West coast of Florida. They took a four hour drive. We, uh, we had a three hour dinner and discussed the book and what we thought it could be. He, he called me back about three weeks later and said, you know what, Anna, Anna and I talked it together. I think it's a good idea. Let's do this. 
So mm. it really only took us a few months to write the story, but it took us 25 rejections over the course of a year from the various New York publishing houses to actually find the, the pub. Now, along the way, and you know, of course, some of them were, well, we don't need another parable. There's already too many. Some were, it's just not what we're looking for. Others. Did you have an agent at the time? Yeah, yeah, the McBride Literary Agency, and they were absolutely fantastic. But we always listened to what the the publishers who said no, and we listened to what they said. Now, sometimes it was just, it just wasn't the right fit or what, whatever. But other times they all, they had advice that that was really good. And so we kept on, you know, we chiseling it and improving it. And what we really mm -hmm. did was improve the marketing package for uh -huh. it. Okay. Cause that kind of came up, you know, a, a whole bunch. And, and finally, I think the 26th one, if I'm, if I'm correct, and that was Portfolio, a business division of uh, Penguin Random House. They loved it. And I'll tell you what, Rory, they have been the perfect publishing partner, mm. supportive and knowledgeable. And, you know, you know, they're rooting for it. And, and so it's just, you know, been great. So it happened exactly when it was when it was supposed to. And did you have a big old launch? Did you do like a big old launch? I mean, this, of course, is back in the days, mostly right. before you know, virtual summits and funnels and lead magnets and all that kind right. of stuff. But, but did you have a big launch plan? Did you sell a bunch of units in like opening week or did it, was it kind of a slower build or like how, how did that happen? No, for that, we, we did put together a really nice size launch. I, you know, I don't really do those anymore when I have new books and I, I don't really see them being as effective as they used to be, although that might just be me also, because I also know there's launches that do wonderfully well for people. So I don't want in any way to to say it's a, you know, this or that. I, but back then, yeah, we, we did a, a really big launch, but also sold a whole bunch of books to different companies that were going to have me come in to speak. And I really lowered my fee to do that because we really wanted in the first few weeks to really have a big buildup, a bit, right? And that helped you know, get the book on the, the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list pretty quickly. And we're very fortunate because the early adopters of the book were not the people who really needed to read it. The early adopters, because we, we received emails from many of them, they were simply people who were already extremely successful, had huge organizations, they were the this or the that, and said, what you guys wrote is just what I, is how I built my business. Okay. But nobody believes me. <laughs> so yeah. they were getting our books to kind of put through their organizations because you know how it is a third party says it and it's, oh yeah, well, of course. And you know, right. <laughs> so that really helped as well. So there were a whole lot of good things that came together at the, at the same time. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's one of the things that's so powerful about being a speaker and publishers, you know, even today love working with speakers because they know if you're a speaker, you're going to be out in front of a lot of people and they're going to buy books. And that was how we launched Take the Stairs. I mean, we were sure. doing doing deals with the early clients to get them to order mm -hmm. lots and lots of copies. Mm -hmm. And I was basically leveraging my speaking as a carrot to get them to do it. And mm -hmm. we generated a bunch of pre-orders that way. For me, I wanted to be a I wanted to be a speaker and kind of became an author out of necessity. And then now I kind of view myself as more of like an author, like more of a content creator right. than even I do a speaker. But how did speaking happen yeah. alongside? Is it, did you did you start speaking first and, and were you really successful as a speaker? And then you kind of bolted this on. Did they kind of grow together? Like, how did you get your first speaking gigs and when did it happen in relation to like the go-giver? 
So I um, was in, in sales, of course, and then I was sales manager of a company. And I started after when I was a big student of sales, you know, so I was, you know, reading Zig's books and Tom Hopkins books and, and getting the, back then it was cassette tape albums, right? It was the, yeah. and I, I was just a total student of, of sales. And I went to a seminar once and at the, and I bought the person's uh, tapes in the back afterwards. And in the back of his Syria, you know, the, the album, there was a page that said, if you want to make some extra money speaking, selling these tapes, call our office, which I did. And they taught me how to speak at all these places for free, every civic club group organization, anybody that would uh. have me in and do these 25 minute talks. And then like, you know, a three minute commercial at the end and boom. And so, and I did that for a couple of years and, you know, sold a ton for them and it was great training. But eventually I wanted to kind of go my, into my own with my own sort of things that were working for me that I put together. And, and so I just, you know, I actually, I joined the National Speakers Association, which you and I are both part of it. And mm -hmm. you had mentioned about the Hall of Fame. You, you were inducted into the Hall of Fame, I think, was it last year, two years ago? 2019, yeah. I was, I went in. I think it was the year, yeah, yeah. just like, just, I guess, two years ago. Yeah. So congratulations. And I remember I, I was not at that convention, but I remember when I saw it, cause I opened up the thing to look to see who were the CPAEs, which is the, you know, the hall of fame. And I saw you and I said, Oh man, that is so wonderful. He so deserves it. <laughs> that was just wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you, buddy. So and because at, at national speakers association, you know, you, you, who, who are there, the people who are successful have successful speaking businesses. So I learned from them how they did it. I'm a big believer, Rory, that you, you know, that it's not necessary. It's usually not productive to try to create the wheel, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to invent the wheel, especially when it's already been invented. I'm a big believer in learning systems. Uh, so long as those systems are congruent with your values, I define a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. The key being predictability. If it's been proven right. that by doing A, you'll get the desired results of B, you know all you need to do is A and continue to do A, you're going to get the desired, right? So I learned from those who did it. And then uh, at one of the, the meetings, uh, uh, Randy Pennington, I remember, I, I don't know if you know Randy, great, great guy. And uh, he had said, you know, Berg, you really should write a book because it's going to help you position yourself. I didn't want to write a book. I was selling my cassette tapes up there, you know, mm -hmm. doing programs and having a lot of fun doing that and, and, you know, doing pretty well for a couple of years. But he said, you know, it's going to help you market yourself better. You're going to be better positioned. You're going to get higher fees. You're going to, you know, so I did. And that's when I wrote endless referrals and he was right. It was a, a wonderful marketing tool, but I'm like you, I started out as a speaker who wrote for utilitarian reasons. Uh -huh. Now I consider myself more of a, a writer and content creator who's, who speaks. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, NSA, I mean, that's where I met Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy. I mean, like just walking around the hallways. I mean, it's incredible the people that you meet there. And that was such, such, such an important part of my journey. And then the other thing that's interesting is the more that I am around these really ultra like successful speakers and authors, almost all of us have a story about how we started our career at one point doing speeches for free, mm -hmm. selling mm -hmm. something for someone else. Right. It was career right. track or Fred Pryor, or in our case, we, we our former business, it was our business, but that was how we started. We would speak mm -hmm. for free and then mm -hmm. we would sell a ticket sure. or like 
I think Anthony Robbins, he sold tickets, I want to say, for Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn, yeah. And, and you know, there's Amy Porterfield used to, to who today is like a big celebrity. She oh. used to work with Anthony Robbins, I'm pretty sure. Like, it's amazing how National Speakers Association, reading books, and then learning to speak by under kind of someone else's tutelage or umbrella right. is such right. a common common part of the isn't it yeah the success track there's a pattern there definitely (laughs) yeah well bob where do you want people to go if if they want to connect with you and learn about all the things that you're up to and like what you're doing these days yeah best place is berg b-u-r-g.com and pretty much everything's there see that's a whole level like oprah goes by just her first name but just (laughs) when you're last name only that's like next level but it's also you know what it is though rory it's age because I remember, I, you know, I'm 63. So when the internet really kind of started to, to be out there a little bit, and it was just, there was a, a guy who, who I knew who said, and he was from the Silicon Valley, and, and, and he, he called me and he said, Berg, I want you to get Berg, this thing called Berg.com. I said, why would I want something called Berg.com? I'm never going to use that. <laughs> He said, trust me on this one. He actually walked me through showing me how to get it. But am I glad I did? But, you know, again, this is back in the, I think that was the mid 90s or something, late 90s or something like that. So it it, it was age more than anything, more than anything else. That is classic. Well, (laughs) Bob, thanks for sharing these stories and thanks just for your wisdom. And I mean, just a, a career, as you mentioned now, a couple decades have gone by of just promoting and teaching these simple truths that continue to be true and they all continue to be true and you've made such a difference on our on our industry and our profession and and just on the world man so we wish you the best thank you likewise my friend and brother i appreciate you greatly that's all we've got for this episode of the influential personal brand podcast but here's some great news one of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.